0: Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast with Aaron Crowley. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I am your host, and I'm so glad to be tuning in with you on this part two interview. Sorry about that, a little rhyme that just developed. Episode 113, we have a follow-up conversation with my friend Ed Young, fabricatorscoach.com. You know, uh, we just didn't get the entire uh, discussion wrapped up in the last episode, and so we continued it in this episode. And we begin to get into the nuts and bolts about how to transition out of a kind of a chaotic environment, how to get your fab shop um, kind of running, kind of humming, using specific metrics. He calls them throughput dollars. You've heard me refer to them as uh, the daily dollar demand, the 3D view, how to begin to uh, move towards a consistent and predictable turnaround time. This is meat and potatoes. If you've got a fab shop, you're going to like this conversation because we get into the nuts and bolts. And so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my part two interview with Ed Young. Enjoy. Hey, Ed, welcome back to the Fab
1: Lab podcast. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me back again. I'm, I'm glad I didn't wear out my welcome last time.
0: No, it was fantastic. I've been looking forward to this all week. And I actually, since we know people are listening to this, I'm just going to say this. Thank you for the last 30 minutes. Um, audience, fellow fabricators, just know, <laughs> we just know that I just received some coaching from Ed the previous 30 minutes leading up to us hitting record on this. And so he's got some great insights. And so, Ed, thank you for the conversation we just had. And uh, thank you for the conversation that we're about to have. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. It's it's what I enjoy doing. Like we said last time, it's the kind of thing that gets us up in the morning. We're helping folks out, you know. Yes,
0: and boy, I at least speak for myself. I need help. <laughs> so <laughs> we we all do, uh, believe me. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, we, you know, we we wrapped up last week. I can't believe it's already been a week since we talked. But uh, we were just beginning to kind of scratch the surface of um, kind of looking at the front end of the process. Gathering information and and making sure that those jobs are ready to enter to the production facility, the fab shop, the stone shop, the, the place where all of our audience loves to spend so much time. You know, that's where it all happens or a lot of it happens. And so let's 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 start there and, and just kind of set it up, you know. Um it, it doesn't oftentimes take nearly as long to make a countertop as we might imagine that it does when all the information all the decisions are made. Everything is available when that job begins in production or enters the shop. And so let's just let's just start there. Start us off from that standpoint.
1: Well, a good, a good uh, comparison to make for, your, for yourself as, as folks are listening to this is how long does it take you to to fabricate a countertop after it's been templated compared to how long does it take you to remake the entire kitchen when something goes wrong? gives you a good idea right there like you said it doesn't take doesn't take that long to make the top it's all the all the prep work up front that's key to helping you do it quickly and making good money at it and that's that's where i think a lot of opportunity i think that's where i think there is a lot of opportunity in this business
0: yeah and and it was my my recollection in the shop that i worked for before going out on my own where it was very commonplace three four or five weeks from template to installation and the last job i did before i went out on my own was i was a templater and in, in looking back, what I, what I think happened is they would send me out to template jobs very frequently before they were ready. I mean, the cabinets might have been sitting there, but the sink hadn't been selected, the cooktop maybe they hadn't got the overhang, you know, the edge detail. There were a lot of details that were as of yet not, you know, dis, you know, made decisions, made details confirmed. And but it was an open template date. The template was available and the cabinets were there, so we'll go out there and template it. And the next thing you know, those templates sit for two, three weeks. And Hey, we got to get that job into production, which gave the impression that it took a lot longer to make a countertop than it really does. But you know, w- what we were talking about last time with the, the shortened lead time, having a consistent, predictable turnaround from template to installation. Um, you, it, you, you can't put jobs into the shop like that when all the details aren't available and the information's not been, uh, you know, you know, put into a package for people to begin production. So, talk us through that process of we call it information acquisition all those things that are necessary to be you know what does that process look like
1: yeah that's a great question and and it's different in every business that i go into every fab plan i go into has got a different type of process the thing i try to encourage fab shop owners to do is to think about you know we talked last time about beginning with the end in mind and what's your exit strategy and this business being a vehicle for you achieving, you know, kind of some really key life goals, play the great golf courses of the world, sail around the world, whatever that's going to be. Now, I know golf isn't for you necessarily, and it's not <laughs> for me either, but you get the point. Uh, but the business is a vehicle. and And where I start is, okay, when you, when you look at how does the business generate cash, because everything that we've talked about you want to do with, with retirement, exit strategy, passing on to your kids, whatever, you, you got to have cash. And obviously, if you don't have cash, nothing else matters because that is the only issue. And that's and a lot of folks you know run into that. And I'm sure last year, a lot of folks had a lot of that off and on because of shutdowns and things. Um, but you look at the cash the business generates, all that happens on the shop floor. And when you look at, what really happens in fabrication? Raw materials come in, a miracle occurs, finished goods ship out, and that's countertop fabrication. I mean, at its core, that's basically manufacturing. Um, but putting a dollar factor on that and figuring out, okay, how fast does that engine? If that's our engine for generating cash, is that is the shop floor? Then, then how do we manage that well? How do we feed that? Well, because that's like the engine of the car. The business is the car. That's the engine. That's what keeps us, gets us going to where we want to go. If we, if you think about it, old carbureted cars, you know, you, you got to have fuel, you got to have clean fuel. You got to have clean air can have a good spark and your timing's got to be right. The engine's going to run. Okay. As long as it's not worn out. Um, but if you, you start mixing with bad fuel, you're, you don't, you know, change your air cleaner or whatever, the engine will run, but it'll sputter and jerk and carry on, and you're not going to make really good progress. It's not going to be efficient. You'll burn a lot more fuel, you know, all those types of things we've all lived through. Mm-hmm. And your business, your shop floor is the same way. You put bad quality inputs mm-hmm. into it, it's going to sputter and pop and jerk and not run well. You'll get where you want to go in eventually, but you're not going to be like that finely tuned F1 you know race car that can really hum and get there temp to install in five or six days. And that's that's the key. So thinking from that big picture of that shop floor is the engine for the vehicle that's going to get me where I want to go in life. And that's a big that's a big step for a lot of folks, you know, because a lot of folks I meet started off literally two guys in a garage with a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're and they're making making countertops and now all of a sudden they got 10, 20, 30, 40 employees and things are a little more complex. (laughs) And they've kind of grown into it. And like we said last time, the business owns them, they don't own the business. And so stop and take that different mental picture of, okay, if I'm going to control this, this automobile, if I'm going to control this vehicle to get where I want to go, i got to decide who's running this thing, who's driving this. Am I going to drive it? I'm going to let customers drive it. One of the rules I've run into is if, if I have a business owner that says the customer's always right, that means the customer is making your business decisions. The customer never has your best interest at heart. If your customer's driving your business, driving your vehicle, you're probably not making much money, and you could be headed for a wreck. So you got to decide first that you're going to control what's going on in this business, and that goes back to what you call information acquisition. You know, how do we make sure we get all of this information and get it right before we commit to a customer? Uh, A lot of businesses I run into, you know, the the contractors called up and said, look, you know, I got a I got a customer here, a homeowner who's beating me up on this on this new build or this kitchen remodel. I just need an install date. Give me an install date, so I can tell the homeowner that's what we're going to be doing. And they hadn't picked out the sink yet, and they hadn't picked out the you know cooktop or the you know all those decisions haven't been made. Things are all run into. But that's a, a really good contractor that's been a long time customer. You don't want to lose them. You don't want to get them upset. So how do you how do you balance that? And that's kind of the reality. I think a lot of people deal with. And what it boils down to is making the decision that, okay, if I'm going to take that engine for generating cash, I'm going to commit part of that capacity to this contractor. I got to make sure it's going to happen. Okay. It's kind of like that. We talked the last time about the hotel room that was empty last night. I can't go back and and fill that hotel room. It's done that opportunity, that ship of sales, so to speak. So what I've done in businesses a lot of times, and then in the one in the one that I ran and also the ones I've worked with is yeah, we'll, we'll give you a, an install date. By the way, because we've got a five or six-day lead time, here's your template date. That means you've got to meet these conditions for us to template, yeah. and everybody knows what those are, you know, sink selection, faucet cooktop, materials, you know, splash, no splash, all those things. Cabinet's got to be in place. Um, and we've got to cut off some time prior to template that if we don't have that information, we'll call you up. And you've got 24 hours or you know, whatever our rule is going to be mm-hmm. to get that information finalized or you lose both that template date and that install date. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm booked out. My it's mid February. Now my March is full. It might be April. So Mr. Contractor, Ms. Homeowner whatever, this is what we've got to have. It's kind of a kind of a help me help you kind of a deal as a fabricator. If, if I'm the fabricator, I'm talking to the customer. What you want is as a customer, you want that kitchen of your dreams, you know, whatever you can afford within whatever those parameters are for you as an individual. And, and my goal is to help you get there. I want you to have exactly what you're after and hopefully a little bit more. Um, and so I need to make sure that you understand your role in that process. So we're both happy at the end, Yeah. you know, kind of a me and you against the problem kind of a thing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the attitude and that's where it has a start there. The rest of it's building, just building the process. Yeah.
0: Well, and I remember that sort of that aha moment—you realize that we, we we can get a kitchen done in a week. That 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 is not out of the realm of possibility at all. But if we are constantly going back after it enters production, the. It just becomes so incredibly inefficient to have you don't have time to stop. It doesn't have time to sit on a cart while a, an edge detail is decided because I needed to be programming the the machine, you know, before we even realized it. And so you 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 get this massive drag, and so your focus has to shift. You know, I like your terminology there—the analogy with the 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 car—and I think it, maybe it's twofold. You got to dr- you're driving this thing towards a destination, but at the same time, you have to become the mechanic because you've got to go back and tune some of these inputs and balance them just right because, you know, you've got all the fuel you want, but if you don't have enough air, you have you know, maybe too much air. I'm not a mechanic. Um, but the where this information, it's like the the contractor might be saying, you know, the same thing. I got this customer breathing down my neck, you know, because I forgot to call or whatever the 10,000 other explanations are. Can you just get out here and template so they see some progress so I can tell them that it's been templated? Okay, and you go out there and template it, and, and but you don't have the cooktop and you don't have the edge detail and the overhang and the customer hasn't had a com- you know conversation about what – and 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 so that thing enters it lurches into production and then it stalls, and and because you don't have all the information and so that that process for some customers you know this is just a reality. I remember distinctly. I can see his face, and <laughs> I can remember the point at which we both concluded we can't work together. Yeah, there was that's, that's that's that was the exception, not the rule. What we've discovered is that most contractors greatly appreciate the consistency mm-hmm. and the predictability. They just We've had to work together, like you said, as a partnership to get yep. to this outcome that if you want a quicker turnaround time so that your tile and your plumbing and your other f- trades can get in there, you just have to give us the information we need before the template. And, and, and so you have to be on the front side. It can't be once it's in production. This has got to be a conversation that you're beginning to have. You're, you're tuning the engine before the race. Hey, I need that information. If you want this date, I got to have this detail. And uh, it really requires a shift in focus in terms of when you are, uh, you know, applying yourself to this, this facet of the
1: process. But it sounds like, too, at some point in that process, as a business owner, you made a conscious decision. In order for my business to run well, to be efficient, to make money, and for me to be able to continue to service customers very well, to delight customers, Mm -hmm. I have to start putting my foot down with folks that I know, even longtime contractors, That just cannot get their act together. And I've got to make a tough decision. And it's going to be am I going to let them continue to put me at high risk for having a hotel room that was empty last night? Or am I going to make sure that I'm doing everything I can and working with the right people that are going to help me keep those hotel for all those hotel rooms full every night? And it's a business decision. That's kind of why I went through what we did a few minutes ago. I know it was kind of a long rambling kind of thing, but it starts off with a mindset. Who's driving your car, who's driving your vehicle, who's running your business.
0: Yep. Yeah. And where are you going? Yeah. Where, yeah. What's the destination? And, and, that's,
1: and we, we struggled with that with the shop that I was running. When I came in or in that shop um, back before the recession and we were 95% wholesale, we had just a few random walk-in customers. That was it. We kind of had an inkling something was going on economically. We didn't really have any data to go by. It was more of a gut feeling. But as we started driving from what was then a three or four week template install lead time, that pretty typical scenario, you know, that you talked about earlier, um, we realized we had to get better control over the front end of the process. We couldn't just be at the mercy of the kitchen and bath eaters and production builders, the big box stores and all that were most of our business to just throw stuff at us and hope we could scramble and respond. That's just muscling things through. It's not building a good smooth process. So, we decided consciously we're going to drive more to retail, which meant we were going to be competing with our customers at that time. Mm. We're going to be basically competing with the kitchen and bath folks that were feeding us most of our business. Big risk. Yeah. So, we had to go out and do a lot of things to kind of get ready for that. And one of them was putting the other criteria for how are we going to educate our retail customers? When you think about how many countertops does the average person buy in a lifetime, they probably buy more cars. The do countertops. They probably buy more houses than they do countertops. Mm. <laughs> they probably go get more jobs, new change jobs more than they buy countertops. Mm. This is something a lot of people don't really understand well. Yeah. And so we put together a whole process for helping educate the customer. And this was before video was real big, you know, this is back in the in the aughts, so to speak. <laughs> um the yeah, the the, the aughts two thousands and before 20, 2009. And so we, had, we did a lot of work to, to build that. In fact, we went so far as to take all of our salespeople, and they spent a couple of days in the shop. They put on their jeans, they put on the rubber boots and an apron, and they got out there, and, and they didn't actually touch stone necessarily, but they lived in that shop for a couple of days, and then they'd take a day and go with the and They'd take a day and go with an install crew and make sure that they understand that our own folks understood mm-hmm what this process was like and where the, the, the challenges were and why it was important. Why do we need to know what that stove cooktop configuration is going to be mm-hmm. before we go out and template? Why is that a big deal? Yeah. Well, we went out there and painfully showed them, you know, here's what happens when you don't know that. Yeah. You know, so a lot of things like that we had to do to make sure that we were teed up to do this and do it well.
0: Yeah. If you've got the information before and you can program the saw or the CNC to cut that cooktop out versus – which is minutes, you know, when you when you when you add that little file to the, the, the programming process. A little bit more cut time on the saw, but it's done wet, you know, or the CNC, versus out in the field, you got two installers out there, it's six o'clock on a Thursday evening. Now they're unboxing the cooktop and down draft, they're scratching their head, they're tired. The risk of a mistake at that point is huge. It takes four times as long to cut it, it is a mess. Yeah. So just one little detail having been acquired and provided at the beginning of the process saves massive time and potential, you know, (laughs) catastrophe, you know, downstream.
1: And I know that some folks are listening to us when they hear that, hear us talking about this, going to say, yeah, but what about the time when, and certainly there are things you cannot control. You can't force people to do what you need them to do. I'll give you a clear example with a, Template Monday install Friday lead time that was consistent and guaranteed in the shop we were running. We actually had a job, I remember it clearly, we went out and templated it on, on on one day. We went back to install five days later and couldn't figure out why the tops didn't fit. We finally pulled up the photographs from template install and looked at. They had changed out every stinking cabinet in those few days. And now the tops don't fit. The walls didn't move, but the tops don't fit. And the customer doesn't understand why. You know, you can't control everything, but right. you can control and influence almost everything. Yeah. And, and if, you're gonna, if you want this business to run and you want to make the most money that you can out of it and you want to delight customers, and you have to delight customers in order to do that, you got to make these decisions up front and, des- and decide this is how you're going to run your business.
0: Yeah, and so that... Um... I love metaphors, and so I, I'm coming back to this this idea of you've know you got to be both. You're driving the car. You're the race car driver. You know it the best. You know where you're going. But you've also got to adopt the mindset that you're the mechanic as well, and you've got to – before the race starts, you've got to be tuning, making sure that all those valves are adjusted, all of that fuel is what you want it to be, and everything is exactly how you want it for optimal performance, which requires you as an owner, either yourself or to delegate a, a – a, a, a shift from maybe reacting to information when it's not there and scrambling to get it, I mean, you're going to spend the time getting the information. I mean, because you're going to get the information at some point and you're going to get the job installed at some point. But if you can consciously and purposefully say, I'm going to work at acquiring that before the job is templated, once that job, you know, the, the the flag drops and you hit the gas. There's nothing to slow that job down, and it can just you would be shocked at how fast. To your point, when you got to remake something, it's like how do we remake that in in less than 24 hours? And yet it took us a week to make it the first time. Wow, it's amazing what we can do. Mm-hmm. You can do that every job, virtually every job, if you shift the focus to the front end of the process and acquiring all that information. And to your point about educating. Educating the customer, um, they're going to have to, you know, if you're, it's a long-time client and they're used to just letting you bear the burden of that information acquisition when they get around to providing it, uh, that's part of tuning. That's part of tuning the engine, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um,
1: and and I know these changes are not easy to make. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I, I've lived them, you know, driving a, driving a business to do this, and I've done it coaching, you know, uh, fab shop owners. I know it's not easy to do but one of the things that helps out a lot, you know, I go back to the, you know, what's your exit strategy, where you want to go. Well, there's, it all comes back to, to the dollars. It all comes back to the Benjamins, as I said. Um, when you look at, you know, the, the the engine, the shop is where you generate that cash. As a business owner, you're paying for 100% of that capacity. Well, let's kind of go back to a lean term, value added, non-value added. Uh, when you, when you, I talked about, you know, raw materials come in, miracle occurs, finished goods go out the market sets a price that you pay for your raw materials you can't buy high-end granite for a penny a square foot they won't sell it to you unless it's in small hand-sized pieces okay <laughs> maybe you get it that way i don't know and you can't get a thousand dollars a square foot for Ubatuba, okay or saint cecilia or something you know one of the you know lower end granites um so the market sets those prices and the difference between that selling price of your, your countertop your installed top and what you paid for the slabs to make it out of, that that calculation, those dollars are the dollars, that's the value that the market places on the miracle that occurs in your plant, okay? And that's value added. We just put dollar figure on value added, that lean term, value added, non value added. Lean says value added is the physical transformation of product into something the customer's willing to pay for. So, you know, sawing, for example, is a value added process step. The interesting thing is, is that how many hours a day is that saw blade actually in the stone? Because that's the only value-added activity at the saw. Everything else—loading, unloading, cleaning, setup, anything else—that's all non-value-added. And I'm kind of moving something around here. I lost your picture somehow. There you are. <laughs> I touched my computer the wrong way. Um, that's all non-value-added. And so when you let somebody else make decisions and 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 encourage you to go template a job that's not ready and now you're going to start doing something and you've got to stop or you've got to change or whatever you're introducing much more value-added activities into your shop and what happens financially is you're paying for eight hours on that saw you know whatever your shift schedule is mm-hmm. how many hours a day is that blade or that saw jet nozzle uh, water jet nozzle in the stone because that's the only value-added part that's happening And when you let other folks make those decisions, that percentage goes down where you're paying for all eight hours. How many, how many hours of work do you want to get out of that saw? You'd like to get eight hours of value added work. It's impossible, but if you can go from three or four now to five or six, you know, we've just gone up 30, 50%. Okay. And, and so when you start looking at the fact at putting dollars on what this is doing to your profit, you know, when you've got a fully loaded shop, then now that provides a little bit of motivation to start trying to make some of these changes.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm imagining in my mind, I, I went off of your screen, and while you were talking, I was beginning to see the saw table. I was seeing the saw, and I was imagining this capacity, this potential that, that is is going to be paid for whether I utilize it or not. That cost is sunk. I, it's inescapable. Yeah. just That's just yeah. the way it is. So anything that happens that that reduces or delays or prevents that saw from cutting is 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 in a sense taking money out of my pocket or or is Absolutely. preventing me from potential dollars that that would be available to me. And so in seeing it in that respect, the 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 stakes in a sense a bit of information that the sawyer has to stop for or any at any point in production, any missing detail that requires them to stop and go looking that's not value added. That saw blade's not turning. That machine is not operating. The polisher's not polishing. Whatever that is, th- there is a cost associated with that, either in lost potential or actual, you know, lost revenue. Um, yeah. That just to, to sort of put those put that into perspective in terms of how important it is and and what is to be gained. Like you're saying, a thirty, a fifty percent increase just by simply having that information available, so that those delays. Don't occur midstream. Um, it, it's there's there's a lot of potential there.
1: It's really interesting. You get idea how much potential for a typical shop. It's really interesting that when you start doing the things that are necessary to get a consistent short fixed lead time five days, six days, seven days, whatever it is you want to want to settle on. When you do the things that we're talking about that allow you to get there and to sustain that, what happens is the noise in the shop goes down. the the chaos starts to go down because you start getting this finely tuned, you know, race car type process going on. And when that happens, it is normal. I don't mean the exception. It's normal to find 20 to 30% more capacity in that shop. That means that the same shop with the same people and the same machines are now getting 20 to 30% more square footage out every day.
0: Without adding labor, without adding you know, machines, that's just, that's just latent existing potential. That's just being
1: underutilized. It's capacity. Or another way to put it is it's capacity. You have been paying for, for however long you've been at it, that you haven't been able to get cash for. Mm. You've been paying for it, but not getting return. Mm. You know, you might have to add a helper. Okay. You know, 12, $15 an hour helpers, you know, some kind of on the low end of, the, of your price range, but on a $3 million shop, you know, let me, let's put some real numbers on this. That's like a $3 million shop, 3 million annual sales. Typical fab shop, about 40% is going to be, and it runs 35 to 45, but 40% is roughly your cost of materials. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to write these down so my P brain can keep track of the numbers. But a $3 million shop, 40% of that's materials. So that's 1.2 million you on materials. Think of that as a pass-through. Mm-hmm. Well, that whole raw materials come in, miracle occurs, finished goods go out. Well the selling price for those raw materials on annual basis is three million, subtract the one point two in raw materials is going to leave one point eight million in cash that shop generates every year. Okay. And I'm gonna grab my calculator so I get this right. But if we just free up 20% capacity, that means that 1.8 times 1.2, 20% more than 1.8 million, now we're at 2.16 million. Minus at 1.8 means that's another $360,000 a year in profit by making these kinds of changes. That's another way to look at that. That's what your customers are costing you when you let them run your business. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pay your customers $300,000 plus a year <laughs> to make your life miserable? Okay. <laughs> Let's keep that money. Let's get them to help us help them. And let's start getting our lives back and making some money and, and reaching these goals that we've, we've got for ourselves as business owners. You know that's that's putting dollars to it. If you got to hire a helper somewhere here to help out, I think I'd hire a helper to get three hundred thousand dollars a year. I think I could afford it?
0: And and real quick, you know, to that to that point, you you just that that, that equation: your gross sale of three million minus your material at forty percent, one point two million, which is eerily similar to our business um that difference is what you you call we call it daily dollar demand here on the fab lab podcast that metric which is um incredibly important i've referred to it countless times here on the fab lab podcast you but but that's a a metric that you also target and, and and measure by and what you have a different name for it
1: i call it throughput dollars okay and it's not it's not Ed's name. Um, we talked about the goal last mm-hmm. week. Um, yeah, last podcast. That's a, a term that comes out of constraint management theory. Of constraints um, is throughput dollars, and what I encourage owners to do is calculate that number for every job. Mm-hmm. If you go out and take your last, say, three months of P and Ls, and subtract out what you paid for materials that you use, and you got to, depending on whether you're doing accrual basis, cash basis, you need to go with your accountant and kind of figure out some numbers, but. Uh, basically what you want to do is pull that raw material number out. Whatever's left that you spent is operating expense. That's the cash the business burns. You can take that and average it per month, then just divide by 20. And that gives you kind of a a daily burn rate of cash. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the articles coming out in Sleepy Rock Gazette, and I I lose track of when they are because if you've done this, you know, you write an article a day and it gets published in two months. And if you're doing a series of five or six articles, it's like, okay, I just submitted this one yesterday, but which month is it for? Because I I can't keep it track. But anyway, um, in that article, we talk about, okay, so how much money, how much profit have you scheduled to make for yourself next Thursday? Well, you can start calculating these numbers and see, because you know how fast you're burning cash every day. You know how many installs you've got scheduled for next Thursday. You've calculated the throughput dollars. Or the daily dollar demand. Yeah, that's your, the, okay, I get that right. The three daily it's, dollar it's, demand it's, figure. Yes, the three D, okay.
0: the three D view. It was, I was trying to use a play on words there. Three D's daily <laughs> dollar demand. That's kind of three D. Cool.
1: I like that. <laughs> I, didn't, I wouldn't smart us pick up on that. <laughs> um, yeah, the three D view or the throughput dollar view of, of those jobs. You add up. Okay, I've got four of those scheduled for next Thursday, and here's the here's the the daily dollar demand or the throughput dollar value. And I know this is how much cash I'm I'm typically burning in today. I now know how much profit I've scheduled for next Thursday. And so now you're, and then when you're doing the things that we're, you and I are talking about with your information acquisition, so you can keep that short fixed lead time and, and feed good fuel and air and spark and all this engine that you've got. Now you're starting to plan for how do I go from what my business is worth today to where it needs to be at that X date when I want to exit this business. And now you're looking at it. Well, how much, how much have I scheduled in terms of making progress toward that next Thursday Mm -hmm. and next Wednesday and next Tuesday, you know, and now you're starting to be proactive in running your business. You've got some really good solid data that helps you do that. Yeah.
0: And it's, and, and it gives you focus where there's still time, you know, and I, you and I were talking before we, we hit the record button about our February being a somewhat of a disappointment. But we know I knew it was going to be a disappointment last week um, and and which there's still' three and a half weeks left in the month for us to go we've got to act like it right now, like literally it's all hands on deck, we can still turn this around if we can fill some of these open dates, whereas Absolutely. you know without that kind of when you're you're, you're beginning to manage from a very you know, laser focused perspective of what is necessary, not just on a monthly or a quarterly basis, but on a, not even a weekly, but a daily. And you can see the gap. So there's an open date. I've got a vacancy. I love your analogy of the hotel that is so, so perfect for the stakes, because if, when you're focused, you can realize, gosh, that template date just passed us by. We weren't focused enough. We let that, you know, either we weren't on, a, we weren't, on the phone with the customer, making sure we had all the information so that that template could occur on time, or we went on the phone with another customer to move them forward, you know, that, that allows you, now you're managing in advance, and you, you or you know, if you're waiting for the P&L, you know, three weeks after the month closes, it's, it's not only too late for that month, it's probably too late for the month you're already in, so you've lost two months yeah. of, of being able to, to correct anything that may be amiss.
1: And even if you get your P&L the second week of the month, you're still looking at what happened last month. Mm-hmm. Now you got to decide, okay, I got my P&L this week for January. What changes can I make in February based on data I got in January? When I get P&L in March for February, it's not a full month, so now I got to wait till April <laughs> to see how well I did in March based on decisions I made in February based on data from January. It's called I call that driving while looking in the rearview mirror, oh, yeah. you know? But a combination of, of the, 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 the 3D metric or the throughput metric against your operating expense and charting that every day gives you, you know, current status. And then based on what you've got scheduled, you can look ahead and see what your month's going to look like. Then you add leading indicators. And I think you use quote volume and, and maybe some other stuff, but you can take your sales process and put that in stages, and start applying these same metrics to you to, to, from the uh, point of initial prospect to first contact to first conversation to quote to, um, you know, requote conversion, whatever. And you can take that whole sales funnel and put dollar figures on it. Mm-hmm. And now you've got really good leading indicators that go out a good way. You start trending those. And then start asking questions like, okay, if I've got, you know, do an email campaign, I send out a thousand emails a month. And when I go through my sales funnel, I end up with, you know, 30 quotes out of that or something like that. You can do the math, figure out the percentage. Well, you know, where does that start to drop off in my stages of that funnel? What are those dollar, the differences in, in, you know, daily dollar demand or throughput dollars in, in those stages and if I've got to go spend a little bit of money to, to amp up my social media campaign or to engage somebody that can help me massage my messaging a little bit, you know, make myself be a little different and, and focus on some of my strengths to differentiate from my competition, which is really important. Now you can start looking at the, at the, you know, what's the cost of that versus if my goal is to take this third or fourth stage and instead of only getting a, a 2% result, I get it up to 3%, that's a, 50 percent increase you know what's that worth in dollars now i can take those same dollars i'm using in the shop throughput dollars at cash generation apply that to everything else and start to really drive this race car get it fine-tuned the the constraint ends up being kind of the the and the carburetor that's that's the skinny part of the whole process that you're leveraging the whole business around and as economic conditions change and demand changes. And you're basically using the accelerator and you're throttling the business around that constraint with all these metrics we're talking about. And this vision that we're talking about to drive and control your business. So you can get where you want to go. Yeah. And that's kind of the model. That's the middle model for this.
0: And it, and that in and of itself may, you know seem a little bit overwhelming to an owner and I would imagine you know you're <laughs> certainly you've yeah. talked to owners that that maybe at this point of the conversation their head's starting to swim and they're going gosh I got to measure I got to be monitoring my template and, and information prior to you know the, the, going out to template the job and now I got to be monitoring my quote volume two months before you know it's going to hit the schedule and you know wh- wh- what's a good starting place where do you where do you tell fab shop owners who are beginning to recognize, look, the chaos of being at the mercy of the customer and the, the customer schedule and whether or not they do or want to get me the details that, that I need to do what they want me to do. It's so ironic. Uh, this beginning to go, I, I want to shift. I want to, I want to, I want to start driving the race car and I want to start tuning the engine in advance. What, what's a first step? Where, where do you begin? I know you talked about, you know, begin with the end in mind or the exit strategy, but in a practical sense, how does that owner start, you know, looking at the schedule, looking at the business and looking at, you know, um, where do they begin?
1: What I like to do is I like to take the metrics we're talking about, the throughput dollar metrics, operating expense metrics, and sit down and, and, and run those calculations for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, if we do this well, here's what you can get. This is the, the dollar impact, that 300 and some odd $1,000 calculation we just did. And then where it usually starts is you start on the shop floor because when you get good performance there, now you've got something that you can promise to a customer and then you start working. I kind of work my way back to, you know, point of first contact in essence, kind of work it backwards because you're starting to to build the performance of the system, starting off with the shop floor and going through the, the six steps in the process, the video series that we talked about last time and the articles that are coming out work through getting that shop performance where it needs to be get that lead time short and get good predictability control there and then start working our way that's going to drive you automatically into scheduling because when you get that predictability when you get that short lead time you're typically making one phone call to schedule both the template date and the install date okay so that's kind of the first step into the front office process and then you start looking okay what do i need in order to get that template date scheduled well here's my checklist of what's got to happen so you start building that checklist, and then you start you know, working with your salespeople and your customer service people to, to get more and more of those checklists 100% completed mm-hmm. before I schedule my template date, my template to install with the same phone call. And kind of gradually work your way up to first contact with the customers, kind of how I do it. Keep in mind, what, you're right, this is we're talking about this in a span of a few minutes. It's definitely overwhelming to a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that there's a time factor here. You start in one place, start in your shop. You work through your shop first. And then over time, you're working through the rest of the process. It's not a light switch that you turn on today and all of a sudden tomorrow, boom, you're doing this because your, your business will fail if you do that. Mm-hmm. We made this kind of a change with the shop that I was running. This whole process, we did the shop floor process, took us between three and six months to get that where it needed to be. It took us another six to 12 months to get the whole front end of the process done. Now we, we built a showroom, did some other stuff too, but I mean, it, it took us a while to make that transition from wholesale to retail so we could achieve our goals. It, it takes a little bit of time to do that. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about last time, if you don't have a good vision for where you want to go at some point, you will hit some, it's going to take a little time. You'll hit some roadblocks and, and you'll stumble if you're not careful. So yeah. that's why I start off with the end in mind, but it, it takes a little while. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's good to know. Cause you know, we're talking about it as if it, you, you snap your fingers and next week I've got a five day lead time when I've, for the last five or 10 years, it's been two to three weeks or more, depending what? on you know the job. You're not
1: done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so just what I'm going to you know, It's just that easy, you know, well, so just I think,
0: yeah, I think a first step would be to contact you.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. but I mean, you can, you can read the articles, the article series in yeah. simply rock Gazette. um, excuse me, started in, I uh, had one that stood by itself in November, but December starts the six article series, one a month. Uh, I've got the courses, you know, the, the course with the classes. And by the way, I appreciate you bringing that up last time. Uh, I, I really just kind of put them together and trying to figure out what to do with them. And, and I sort of made a bit of an offer last time, but I want to make it official this time. Anybody who's listening, that wants to, wants to see these courses. And these are, this it's one course, it's six lessons, total video time is like an hour. So this is not like days and days of stuff. Um, I'll make that available free to your listeners. We'll put a link in the description for the podcast. You can go in and just log in, sign up and get it. I don't have a robust email marketing campaign. I'm not going to hammer you with upsells and all that kind of stuff. This is just a good companion to the article series. Um, so anybody that wants to do that, we'll make that offer to your listeners uh, to, to, to take a look at that. But that'll kind of give you an idea of walking through the shop-level processes, and then we're going to apply the same kind of logic to the front-end processes and, and, and knock that out, too. But it, it takes a little time to do it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. And I, I brought that up last week without talking with you, so thank you for making that available to the audience. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm, te- I'm telling you, this, this video series, when, when Ed sent it to me and I watched it, it was so succinct and so and so clearly laid out in its proper order. As soon as I got done, I, I contacted you. You know, and it was like, we have to talk. <laughs> I got it. This is you've 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 captured it. Um, the the essence of this transition that has so much potential. You know, not only for you know adding three hundred thousand dollars to your bottom line potentially. Has huge potential for the customer too, especially you know when, when you're able to give those specific dates. It is such a competitive advantage when you can tell a client. Listen, I know they can tell you that they can come out and template it tomorrow. They can't tell you when it's going to be installed, and isn't that what really matters? I nope. can tell you the date that this job's going to be done because I I'm I'm tuning this sucker up, and I know what my turnaround time is, and I can commit to this with virtual you know assurance that we're going to hit these dates i mean the benefits are are universal and so ladies and gentlemen check out the show notes the link to ed's video series it is worth every minute it's a huge investment and the return is going to be much greater than the time spent and so that uh, thank you ed for doing that and i apologize okay. for uh, putting you in that position <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i, I appreciate it. that it's something i put together i haven't I like it's honestly i just had not figured out how best to use it I've offered it to a few clients. They've liked it. I appreciate the feedback. One thing I would ask is anybody who does sign up and go through the class, if they'd give me some feedback, you know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Mm-hmm. My whole thing right now, you know, the articles are free. The video the, the videos free. We're doing the podcast. Yeah, sure. I'd love to get some work out of it. But I, what I'm trying to make sure is in all of these areas uh, that we're providing good information people can use today. Yeah. And, and it's 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 giving something of value, you know, to the industry, to the owners, to help them, you know, improve their businesses, make their lives better. Yep. And that's really what it's all about. It's not a real heavy, you know, marketing thing that we've got going on or anything like that. It's just, you know, you and I talked, like you said, for about a half hour before the, the recording even started, we were talking about business and it was just fun talking about, okay, here are the challenges. What can we do? And, you know, trying to figure out ways to, to navigate through some of these challenges. It's, it's just enjoyable to do.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking with, With what you you know, we're talking about the video series, and then you were talking about you know sort of the first step, and I want to kind of loop back to that first. The first thing you mentioned was let's take a couple of months. So this calculation, you know, I'm going to try and just simplify this as much as I can. If you take two or three months, the last two or three months, where you've got financials, and you basically take your gross sales, subtract your cost of material. If as long as your materials are you know oriented towards those sales, if there's not you know material that shouldn't be in there in there and materials that aren't in there that should be in there assuming that yeah, that's the if, case if
1: you've got inventory that you bought but you haven't used you want to make sure it's the materials for those specific jobs yeah and this yeah. is this calculation of material is not cost of goods sold if we got anybody with an accounting background it's a different calculation if this is just materials there's no labor in it
0: cost of materials so you've got that that number yeah. if you're doing that over three months divide that by three and then you divide it by 20 About to 20. 21 work days in the month and that yeah. gives you that really is the essence of what Ed's calling the throughput dollars or what I've called the daily dollar demand the 3D view that metric is it's that simple gross well, sales minus was, material divided yeah. by 20 to 21 days and you've got your daily dollar demand right there and out of that you've got to get your profit you have got to get your salary and you got to cover all your costs
1: <laughs> well that gives you that gives you the baseline for what you've been averaging okay yep. and of course the goal is to get that up um, now, we take, um, you know, we take all the money that we've spent other than materials. That's the operating expense. Divide that by 20. That tells you how fast you're burning cash every day, yeah. okay? But on a job-by-job basis, you want to do sales price, you know, gross sales price, take your sales tax, all that stuff out. Gross sales price minus the material cost. That'll give you the daily dollar demand or the throughput dollars for that job. Accumulate those every day. I like to just physically graph it. Against that operating expense number, and you know, watch those two lines throughout the month, and and see where we are. That's a great visual feedback.
0: Yeah, and so you know when you're, and again, I keep going back to my own visuals as I'm seeing the things that you're talking about. You know, in my yep. mind, you convert that. Let's just say for because math is it's simple math. Let's just say that monthly average is a hundred thousand. You divide that by twenty, it's five grand a day. Just for right. simplicity's sake. Now I know. I've got $25,000 slots to fill in the next, you know, in the next month. And that, yep. again, that focus to be then, you know, aware of that and where these jobs fit and you know, combining the schedule for the customer with the number of dollars that you're trying to plug in to those open dates, you know, the, 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 the specificity and the and the accuracy is just you're, you're not working off of these generalizations. You're getting down to very very specific and measurable and manageable and, you know details to where you're yeah you're driving the car you're racing this yeah. race car and you're a and you're a you're a mechanic of of you know the highest degree
1: yeah and now you're getting to where you're starting to run your business. And as you're making these decisions, the business isn't isn't running you so much, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the objectives that's going to get your life back in this process. Yeah. Um, and then you start applying those same calculations to the front end to your sales funnel and everything else, and started looking at all right, you know, how are we messaging? Um, how are we converting? Do we need to train our salespeople more to increase conversions? You know, those types of things.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm not going to divulge anything here. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, those are the types of things that now you've got some dollars to put behind that because we know all this takes time. all the cost, Some of it costs additional money. Is it worth it or not? And that's one of the values of this is you start off with that baseline of, of where are you today on, on throughput dollars versus operating expense dollars, cash you generate versus cash you burn, and then how can we make decisions to increase that ratio so we're generating cash a lot faster than we're burning and then we're making more profit. And it drives you to doing all these things. Yeah. So it, it starts out with, with I like to do the metrics initially and then go into the shop. We figure out where the constraint's going to be. We start walking through the process to get control of the flow of what's in the shop. And then that drives us back into scheduling at some point. And then from scheduling, it's just a natural to start looking, okay, how do we make sure that before we schedule anything, we've done our information acquisition, as you call it up front, and we're now putting good, clean fuel and air into this engine and now we're going to really start making some good progress and it's going to start working well for us. And it'll naturally drive you into all aspects of your business. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Let me, I'm going to try and paint a picture here now that you're, you know, you're we're, we're sort of sort of wrapping this all up in, in its, in, in a kind of a comprehensive way. So it's maybe, let's just say six to 12 months, this transition, maybe transformation is a better way. And, and really it is. If you've been used to running your business, fellow fabricator, at the mercy of your customers, at the mercy of, of events, you will understand the contrast between your current existence, work, and probably maybe more hours than you want. Maybe four or five years ago, when you were first doing it, you loved it. You just fed off of it. But now, it's getting old, and being at the mercy of these customers, you recognize that the way that they are doing business with you is affecting your future in a negative sense. So imagine 12 months from now, let's just put a realistic timeline on this. Imagine you're working fewer hours. You have gained 25, maybe even as much as 30% efficiency or capacity out of your existing operation, meaning most of that is dropping to the bottom line. So let's just say your profits are up even 25 or 30%. You're working fewer hours. You're making more money with the same operation and it's predictable. The environment that you're working in is not always putting out fires. It is not always reacting. It's not always responding to the chaos. There is a proactive approach. When you show up, you are, you are actively doing things according to a new plan, a new mindset, a new way of tuning the engine to where you are preventing those fires from even happening, or at least greatly reducing the likelihood that they happen because you are actively... Tune in the engine. So, um, um, fellow fabricator, imagine that day a year from now. You know the jobs you got to schedule, you know the dollars you got to make up, you know the profit that you're likely to make if you pull that off, and you know what to do every day to make that happen. And you're working fewer hours and you're making more money. If that doesn't appeal to you, fellow fabricator, I don't know what does. And if it does appeal to you, I am recommending that you go to the show notes, download this video series that Ed's put together, and then contact him. It's Ed at Fabricatorscoach.com, right?
1: It is, yes. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. So well any, I think I think if, if we can if we can end on that painted picture, if you will. You know, anything else as uh, as we wrap this up?
1: No, it's a great picture. I uh I think it's 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 appropriate and again the <laughs> The process isn't always real simple. It isn't always really easy, but the the end result is certainly worthwhile. That's yeah. uh, you know we talked in the first episode about how you and I both are doing things to try to make life better for fabricators. You know, you with your no lift install system, and and then me with the stuff that we're talking about here, and you with the coaching that you're doing. It's all about making life better for fabricators, and I think that's yeah. that's worth getting up in the morning for. It's a lot of fun.
0: Uh, and that is a perfect note to end this conversation, this interview. So Ed, this will not be the last time um, I'll invite you to the Fab Lab podcast. If you'll be back, we'll have you on. And so this was a, this was such an informative, such a thorough review of, uh, of what you have to offer, and I'm so glad you came on to tell us about it.
1: Well, I appreciate the invite. It's been an honor to be here. It's been a lot, it's been a pleasure. We always enjoy talking with each other. I'm glad we can provide some some value for your listeners. And I'll be happy to come back again. I appreciate it. Thank okay. you.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Ed. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Well, fellow fabricator, I hope you learned something. I hope you take away something. If you've uh, got questions, if you're curious, if you need uh, a little bit of more insight, I want to encourage you to go to the show notes below. Download Ed's video series at the link in the show notes. And you can reach out to him as well through his website or through his email. And so, ladies and gentlemen, until next episode, happy fabricating.